Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. We want to thank you again today for joining us on the program, and uh, I trust that you've been watching this continued series. Uh, we've been teaching for some time now out of the book of Revelation. Uh, and our primary thought is that the book of Revelation is, first of all, a revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you've been watching, we've, prob we've probably made that abundantly clear, but for those who just may be tuning in, I, I want to emphasize that again. Uh, it is a revelation of Jesus. The other 65 books of the Bible uh, are, are about Him. The Old Testament was Jesus concealed. In the New Testament, it's Jesus revealed. In the volume of the book, it is spoken of Him, the Scripture declares. So when we came to the book of Revelation, we really began to think in terms if every other book of the Bible is primarily in, uh, about Him, then why not a book that's titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ? Uh, we really are not trying to fight anybody else's view of it. We simply can only preach what we believe God said to us. And then uh, you have the human prerogative to eat the grapes and, and spit out the seeds. I would just simply say to you, in listening to what we've taught, just consider the possibilities that what we're saying, uh, I believe, uh, would bless you. And so uh, one of the things we've been de dealing with, again, is that is, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Greek word that's used for the word revelation is the Greek word apocalypse or apocalypsis, which simply means to uncover or to unveil. It is about removing the veil. Uh, the writer of the book of Corinthians said that when Moses is read, there is a veil that is put over your face so that you cannot see the end of what's abolished. And what we have really dealt with in extensiveness over the last several months has been that each one of these churches in the book of Revelation uh, he's dealing with them uh, to repent. And the word repent, again, is not a word that's a bad word. It simply means to change the way you think. Uh, what he was really dealing with, I believe, in this early church, and let me say to you again that these churches were really seven churches that were really in Asia. And while the scripture was written for us, it was not necessarily written to us. This was written to seven churches who were probably in one of the most critical paradigm shifts of human history because they were the church, the first century church, that was shifting from an old covenant mentality to a new covenant mentality. So in repenting, as they are, uh, as again the word repentance means to change the way you think, uh, what is happening is a veil is being removed from their minds as they shift from an old covenant mentality to a new covenant mentality. Now we're going to deal with over the next several weeks the church at Laodicea and I'm going to take my time with this one because I've got a lot to say about it. Uh, because this one is the last one before we shift into uh, the fourth chapter where there's a door open in heaven and there's a throne set. Uh, I really believe with everything that's in me that what the paradigm shift here is, is that the church is moving uh, from an old covenant mentality where you are governed by rules on rocks. I believe it is uh, in the Message Bible in Corinthians, I believe it is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, For if the government of condemnation written on stone was glorious, how about this government of affirmation? The old covenant was a covenant of condemnation, and the new covenant, 
was a covenant of affirmation. Uh, and then he goes on to say that when, when Moses is read, there's a veil that's put over our faces. I'm trusting, and we really have been really enjoying your response to this. Uh, the letters you've written, the, uh, the emails, the Facebook hits that you've shared on our public profile page uh, have really blessed us because what we're seeing is there is a massive shift that's going on in the church today that is moving from this old covenant-based mentality to a new covenant, and in doing that, you are absolutely accessing a present reality of the kingdom of God. And so uh, we just, uh, if, you, if you've missed any of these programs, let me say also to you that you can go back to our website, and the address is on the screen there, and you can from there have a link straight to our YouTube page, or you can watch us on YouTube uh, and uh, watch any of the programs that we have uh, aired to date or archived there. Uh, you can also go back on the ITBN and watch uh, the internet uh, programs that TBN has uh, archived from the programs at any time that you would like to be able to catch up with us. They're on demand, and we just encourage you to share them with your friends. If you don't have time to watch these during this particular time segment, just go there and watch them. I believe they will bless you and bring you up to date. I want to begin to read, though, from the 14th verse of the third chapter of the book of Revelation as we begin to unpack this concerning the church at Laodicea. He said, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable, and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, and that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and to anoint thine eyes with eyesight that thou mayest see. Here's the thing that really catches my attention about this. I want to make this an emphasis. As many as I love. See, the whole deal here is he's not just trying to uh, attack you. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent, or metanoia, change the way you think. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, what I want to do first of all is go back here and, and, and deal with the very first part of this. Under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. The first thing he says to them is that these things, and once again, I, I, I've dealt with this so many times throughout our teaching, uh, that uh, he always, before he will ever ask them to do anything, he will give them a revelation of who he is in the midst of that church that will enable them to make the transition from uh, this old covenant. In other words, a revelation of Jesus to you will produce a revelation of Jesus through you. Uh, with that thought, I want us to go back. Some of the things that caught my, my attention uh, was that uh, if you go back with me into the book of Deuteronomy chapter number 27, uh, in verse number 12, I want, to, I want to look at this. Jesus says again to them, to this church, I am the amen 
I am the faithful and true witness. I am the beginning of the creation of God. Now, the first thing I want to take a look at is that He is the Amen. And uh, we, when I, I noticed when I started reading something, let's go, this is Deuteronomy chapter 27 and verse number uh, 11. This is when God has given them the law and the commandments and the statutes that He listed to the children of Israel. And I want you to note something in this. It says in verse 11 of Deuteronomy chapter 27, if you're taking notes, it says, And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people. When you are come over Jordan, Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar, Joseph and Benjamin, and these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and put it in a, in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, watch this, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be he that removeth his labor's landmark, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say amen. And cursed be he that perverted the judgment of a stranger that follows the widow, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his mother, or, or the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say Amen. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay the innocent person, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of the law uh, to do them, and all the people shall say amen. Now I think that one of the things that I noticed about Deuteronomy chapter 27 was that every time he gave a curse. The people with one voice would say, Amen. Uh, in other words, there was an agreement to it. There was something that, uh, that, that made an affirmation of these curses. You know, I can't help but think I was in one of the islands uh, back a number of years ago, and I was preaching, I guess it was in Jamaica, and I was preaching a conference there. We were there about 10 days, and it was a church that uh, really was not, probably not ready for my ministry. Let me just say it like that. Uh, I, I'd preached 10 nights and man, I could hardly, I mean, it was huge crowds. People were standing outside of the building, people inside the building, probably more people outside of the building than were inside of the building. And uh, what was amazing was that it was like pulling teeth to preach grace to these folks that were in such bondage and legalism that they looked at me like an old mule looking at a new gate. <laughs> or like, what rock did you just crawl out from underneath of preaching the gospel of grace and the good news? Uh, you know, uh, they were just not used to that. And so, uh, you know, some of them were grasping it, some were, were not. But most of them were not able to respond. Right in the middle of that conference, they brought in another pastor there from the island who was from uh, uh, probably a totally different covenant. He was going to preach law and he was going to preach curse. And let me tell you, he came in and that one night in the middle of that 10-day uh, conference, and I mean this guy 
put these people under every curse you could imagine. I mean, he browbeat them and literally, I call it spiritually abused them. And these people shouted this guy down. I mean, they shouted, hollered, amen, and you know, standing there probably doing everything he's preaching against. Uh, and, and I said, Lord, I just struggle with this a little bit. He said, you know, to me, he said, son, the problem is people are more willing to say amen to the curse than they are to say amen to the grace of God. They're more willing to believe I'm willing to curse them than I am to bless them. For somehow we've made people think they deserve it. You know, I can't remember, and I know I'm telling a lot of stories here, but I was in the home of a woman one time. Uh, me and my dad and one of our elders were in her home staying there as we were ministering in this, in this place. And uh, she said to me, uh, the, the, the uh, woman who was, uh, uh, you know, the wife of the person that was in the home that we were staying in, she was cooking for us, and she came in to the living room, and she said to me, she said, Dr. Howe, she said, you know, uh, I, I pray, and I, I feel like the heavens are brass. I, I, I feel like God is not hearing my prayers. And she said, I just walk the floors, and I wring my hands, and I struggle, because it just seems like my prayers reach to the ceiling and fall right back to the ground. And she said, I, you know, I know you're a man of God, a prophet of God. And she said, if uh, the Lord gives you anything for me and lets you know why, then uh, please share that with me. I said, certainly, absolutely, I will if, I, if the Lord gives me anything. Later that day, she was cooking uh, a pot of spaghetti and she was boiling water for the spaghetti. And uh, when she boiled the water, the, the, the water splashed out of that pot and it, a little bit of it hit her in the hand. Now, uh, we were sitting in the living room, my dad and, uh, uh, you know, who was at that time was a senior pastor of the church I attended and one of our elders. And when that spot of water hit her hand, man, she cursed. I mean, she let out a string of cuss words like you cannot believe. And when she did, she realized, oh my goodness, the man of God is sitting in my living room. And so here she comes and she's, oh, Dr. House, she said, I, I am so sorry. She said, I, I, I don't know where that came from. And uh, I started to say, uh, well, you articulated it awful well. It didn't sound to me like the first time you'd ever said it. Nevertheless, she said to me, as she said that, she said, I, I so apologize. I don't know where that came from. She said, I know that God heard every word of that and I repent and I know that God was watching and he heard every word of that and recorded uh, my failure. And I stopped her and I said, sister, let me say something to you. She said, what is that, brother? I said, the Lord just showed me why uh, you can't, your prayers, you don't seem to feel like your prayers are reaching to heaven. She said, because I cursed? I said, no, ma'am. I said, but because you believed that God could hear every word you said when you said a curse word but you couldn't believe that God could hear every word you said when you were praying. So the issue is a faith issue. I'm not justifying her language. I'm simply telling you that most of us believe God is willing to curse us when He's really not as interested in cursing as He is in blessing us. Uh, there's probably somebody listening to me right now, and you've struggled with this very issue that I'm talking about. I feel like as I sit here talking that somebody's sitting there thinking, man, you know what, I pray, but I don't feel like God's hearing me because I've got this problem in my life or get this problem in my life or I've got that problem. Let me tell you, God hears your prayer.
Somebody said, well, God will not hear the prayer of the sinner because the scripture said, we know now that God heareth not sinners. Uh, and that's his text. It's actually, I believe it's in the book of Matthew. But if you look at the context of that, that was not Jesus saying that he doesn't hear the prayer of sinners. That was the scribes and Pharisees pointing at Jesus and calling Jesus a sinner. And then uh, some of them are saying, we know now that God does not hear sinners. So uh, this man uh, cannot be a sinner. So that was not what God would say. It was what uh, the Pharisees and religious dudes thought. See, perhaps religion has beat you down and you felt like, God, uh, you're not hearing me. I, I want your faith to come to another level today. I'm not justifying uh, it's all right to act anyway. That's not what I'm saying here today. I am simply saying to you that God is interested in communicating with you. I, I, you know, I had someone tell me one time, uh, you know, we were in a drought situation and uh, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, I was out on a golf course and uh, the, uh, the pro said to me, he said, well, uh, I, he said, we sure could use some rain. I said, well, uh, you know, he said, why don't you talk to your boss, talk to the, to, to your, to the father because uh, you probably got a better communication uh, line with him than I do. And I stopped him, I said, no, not necessarily. See, God doesn't, God doesn't think anymore he thinks of someone else. And I think that's an error when we try to make people think we've got some kind of a special corner on God because we're in ministry. I'm telling you, He is your Father and my Father. He is your God and my God. And He is so, and I said to this guy, I said to him, you know what? You might be surprised that He does hear you when you pray. And the truth of it is, is He's probably anxious to hear from you. And why don't you try talking to him? And I say that to somebody today. Uh, why don't you try talking to him? He's waiting to hear from you. It's almost like a father who's waiting on a son or a child or a daughter to call home and say, hey, I just called to say I love you. And uh, you know, uh, the, I, I believe that God's waiting on somebody today to hear these words, to be encouraged to know that God will hear you when you pray. Now, let me move on here just a little bit, because once again, uh, they were willing to say amen to the curse. But if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, it said, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks, and thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies to rise up against thee, to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command blessing upon thee in thy storehouse, and in all thou settest thine hand unto it. He shall bless thee in the land which the Lord God giveth thee. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself, as I have sworn as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, walk in his ways. What's interesting to me is, in chapter 27, after every curse, the people would say, Amen. But not one time in chapter 28, after any of the blessings, would these people say, Amen. But if you go, uh, see, because the curse, you know, the, the, the old covenant always ends with a curse. You see, the, the curses... Uh, of the law will come upon them if they didn't keep all the words of this law. Now the truth of it is, is that the reason God gave the law in, uh, in the book of uh, Romans chapter 3 is so that every mouth will be stopped and all the world will become guilty and realize I need a Savior. 
Because if you look at this, I want you to see this. Malachi, the fourth chapter, the very last verse of the Old Covenant says, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The last word of the Old Covenant is curse. Now, I want you to see something else. If you go with me also then into the book of Revelation, into the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, chapter number 22. Uh, let me see. Let me get it real quickly here. Chapter 22, book of Revelation. And uh, the last few verses of it says this. He says this. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus, and watch this, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, uh, that's powerful to me. The old covenant ends with the curse, but the new covenant ends with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And then finally, somebody says, Amen to the blessing. You say, well, what are you trying to say to us, Brother House? I'm trying to tell you that when the church at Laodicea, when he says to them, I am the amen, I am the faithful and true witness and the beginning of the creation of God, what Jesus was saying to this church is, I am the final amen to the curse. Because every curse you had coming, I took it on myself so that uh, I could release the blessing to you. He was the amen, the faithful and true witness. In other words, he kept every jot, every tittle of the law, and so kept it that God would no longer uh, hold us uh, under the curse. See, one of the things I want you to understand is, We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Here's, here's a verse for us in, in Romans, or, I'm sorry, in Galatians, the third chapter, verse 13. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Uh, I, I, and, then I, and then in Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verse number 29, let me, let me get this one for you because I believe this is so very important in this, in this segment. Jeremiah uh, chapter number 31, and uh, let's see, verse number 29, it says this, it says, In those days they shall say no more, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone shall die for his own iniquities. Every man that eateth a sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this covenant... But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write in, in their hearts. It will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and will remember their sin no more. When Jeremiah begins to say, he's using a proverb that they thought was one that dealt with generational curses. That he said, you know, they would, they would say, you won't use this proverb anymore. See, generational curses under the old covenant, the sins of the fathers were visited to the third and the fourth generation. 
but the blessing of God goes to a thousand generations. In other words, God is more willing to bless you than He is to curse you. But He was dealing with a proverb that they used that dealt with their generational curses, saying if the fathers have eaten sour grapes, then the children's teeth are set on edge because they're expecting the sins of the fathers to be visited to them. Here's the powerful thought. Jesus on Calvary's cross declared, I thirst. And when He said, I'm thirsty, uh, they lifted to him a cup full of vinegar. I submit to you that that cup full of vinegar was the sour grapes of every generational curse and every sins of our forefathers so that when Jesus took the drink of that sour grapes, he was taking every bit of curse that belonged to us to redeem us from the curse of the law, to redeem us from the curse of Adam, to redeem us from generational curses. Generational curses, listen to me, are not a new covenant idea. They are an old covenant idea, but Jesus said, this new covenant I'm going to make, and this is what's going to happen. Your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So when Jesus is saying to the church at Laodicea, He's saying to them, I am uh, the amen. He's saying, I'm the final amen to the curse, but now I'm saying amen to the grace of God. And then I like what uh, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, or uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It said, for all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him, amen, under the glory of God by us. I'm telling you, in Christ, all of God's promises are yes, and somebody needs to say amen to that. I'm telling you, when he's declaring to this church, the first thing he wants to say to them is, hey, uh, I'm the amen to the curse. Uh, we'll get into this in the next segment, but actually the word Laodicea literally means the justice of the people. It comes from a, a root word in Thayer's Greek lexicon, meaning to deal with a suit at law or a judicial hearing, a judicial decision or a sentence. It is also infers a condemnation or execution of the sentence or punishment. I'm telling you that Jesus was the one who suffered the curse for us so that he could redeem us from the curse of the law. When he says to this church, I am the amen, and the judicial decision that was made on your behalf is that your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Remember, a revelation of Jesus to you produces a revelation of Jesus through you. And I believe that when he's revealing himself to these folks, he's trying to get them to see that every curse you had has been removed. Galatians chapter number 3 verse 10 said, For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you're under the law, you're under a curse. But you have been redeemed from the curse of the law, Jesus Christ being made a, a curse for us. He was the Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We are running out of time. Tune in again next week again. Take a moment to call that number on the screen and sow a seat into the ministry. And if you'd like to become part of helping us take this kind of a gospel message literally around the world. We're hearing from places like the Ukraine, Russia, Germany, the Netherlands, the islands of the sea, all over the globe people are responding to what we're sharing. If you want to be part of that, sow a seat into the ministry. It is what keeps us going. You can call the number on the screen or you can go to our website and give any way you'd like to. God bless. Thanks for your time. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, 
this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.